Welcome back, Tap That Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Walters. This is an exciting series that I'm about to bring you. I'm excited about that. Hopefully, hopefully you are too. Uh, that song was a little different than what you've heard before. That is the Hourglass Cats. That's a local Phoenix band. That is off their 2016 EP, Portrait of Cats. Really, really cool guys. Awesome music. So at the end of the episode, stay tuned and it'll play the whole song throughout. Now, this new series, Behind the Pint, when we made the Arizona Beer Book, and basically we were in the process of it, and mainly in 2019, we were writing the book, and we had all these conversations. A lot of the book was written on previous podcasts and and things like that uh, that we'd done with a lot of these places, but never sat down and, you know, talked in depth about one specific beer. So that's what this is. This is highlighting... These, these recordings were never intended to be uh, published. Uh, I got permission from them to record the conversation. Basically the process was I record the conversation and Luke, my business partner, would listen to the recordings and write and type and do whatever he does to put uh, audible sound to paper. And uh, yeah, so these were those recordings and for didn't even think of uh, releasing them. And recently, Reached out to a couple of people, uh, including Michael Marquis, the first one in this episode, Tower Station, uh, and he thought it was a great idea. So um, I'll be reaching out to each place, getting the thumbs up, make sure they didn't get too in-depth in the recipe or anything like that. They don't want it released. Uh, <laughs> we have to do some editing, this and that. But no, these are great. These are really great conversations. Like I said, never intended to uh, publish these, but um, now bear with me. It is a little bit... These, this was recorded on phones through an app that I don't even know the name of it at this point. I think I deleted it a while ago, but it worked. Worked very well. Uh, the quality wasn't the best, so just realize that. Just act like you're third person on the line with us. So actually a couple of them are recorded at the, just listen. We'll, we'll, there's gonna be one every other week. Uh, so the idea is uh, all year long, every two weeks, an episode will be about um, some iconic Arizona beers. And there's some really, really good ones. Hearing the story behind some of these is, is really incredible, including this first one here. Uh, tower station so we are going to look at my notes real quick i'm trying not to read the notes i'm trying to slow down but i have to look at my notes for them all right I, pr- I pretty much finished with all my notes so let's just get into this one this is uh really excited to get this series out let me know what you guys think uh the website is it's uh it's a little jacked up right now i'm fixing it it's gonna be pretty cool working on a um What's that called when you see places? A map, I'm trying to do a map, uh, getting that set up. That's almost ready. So if you go to the map and you see that there are 57 Arizona breweries in the same spot in some dark alley in Tucson, realize I'm trying to fix that. So Simple Machine is not in Tucson. It is right up here on 7th Avenue in Deer Valley in Phoenix. So uh, nice little plug for you guys over there, Simple Machine. Love those guys though. Um, let's get into this. This is Tower Station, the story of Tower Station from Michael Marquis, and you're going to listen to it, and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, Well, <laughs> Tower Station is an odd one because uh, one of the things that kind of happened with us, uh, uh, we weren't ready to do an IPA. We'd never done an IPA before. Okay. Um, Partly, I would say uh, that was the nerves of Mother Road. We we just there were so many good IPAs out there that we hadn't 
we just hadn't kind of done that yet. So what we did is we said, okay, new brew team. Campbell came on. He started kind of solidifying a little bit more of our standard operating procedures. And Alyssa and I really liked what we saw in Campbell. We're like, okay, maybe we can pull it off. Because people had been liking our white walls, which was an extra pale ale. Uh, but the problem with it, with that beer was it, it didn't hold the aroma and flavor terribly well. It wasn't, it wasn't shelf-stable. Okay. So we, uh, we invited Campbell over to the house, sat him down, we said we want to do an IPA. And he kind of gave us a deer in the headlights look uh, because he'd only been with us maybe 30 days. But, you know, you can kind of judge a guy. He knew what he was doing. Sure. Okay. Um, you know, so that was that was a good thing there. Uh, so what we did is we sat down and we said, here's what we want. We want it to be half uh, half of a pale two-row. We want half Pilsner. You know, we want citra hops in it, and we wanted it about six and a half percent. Go create something fun. Yeah. And from there, uh, Campbell took it and ran and created the first rendition. Okay. At the time, we, we were working on a uh, little three-barrel steam pilot system that we were it was up on that deck at the downtown brewery above the mash tun. Yeah, absolutely. Horribly ghetto. Um, it was still on the road. It was, it, it was just bodged together, um, and it was not a terribly consistent pilot system, which is why we ended up selling it because it was just almost useless for actually trying to pilot anything. It was more like a big old homebrew kit. Um, so what we ended up doing is we brewed it, and then Campbell came up with kind of a fun idea uh, to do tasting charrettes. So every two weeks when a new batch came out, plus or minus, of course, um, on Sunday afternoon we'd offer kind of our regulars on Sunday, and if there were people out of town, uh, we'd offer them a 10-ounce pour, and they would uh, then take tasting notes on it, what they liked, what they didn't like, what flavors they were tasting, uh, those sorts of things. Yeah. And then we would redo the recipe again, based off of their inputs. So we basically ran this process, oh, I guess I would say probably five to six batches. It's a little hard to remember four years ago. Sure. And then and then the last batch that we thought was pretty good, we, we brewed again. And in between all of the tasting sessions with the public at the tap room, uh, Alyssa, myself, Campbell, and the brew team were having private tastings and running, you know, kind of there were two tastings running parallel. There was the public and the private. Uh, and that's how we kind of informed the decisions because, you know, there were certain things we wanted, but, of course, the public is who pays your paycheck and yeah. is actually buying the beer. And, and so, you know, when we, when we always say we're inviting people into the Mother Road story to join us, uh, on our adventure, that's exactly what we were doing with Tower Station, is we were bringing them in as as part of the Tower Station and the Mother Road story, uh, along with the practicalities of can we actually get the ingredients and all those fun things on the back end. So that that sixth or seventh rendition, whatever it was at the end, that we brewed again, we got it again, tasted good, that's 
what we ran with. And it was such an odd thing because it wasn't it wasn't what we originally quite set out to do, uh, but it sure tasted pretty damn good. So <laughs> I did yeah. I did get some pilsner and I did get some turo in there. Uh, but we also added some Munich and some wheat uh, for head retention. Uh, and we're using oh what are we using now? Oh God, the recipe's changed about four six times since okay. <laughs> since then. since you nailed it like since you nailed it down to what you wanted. Yeah, uh, it ended up at the 7.3 instead of the 6.5, um, and it still had a lot of citrine. So uh, I was very pleased. Um, I think the cool thing is letting Campbell and his team have very free reign within some kind of boundaries. Uh, we were still talking this morning about my grandmother. My great-grandmother was about 3 foot 10. Um, no, she really wasn't that. But she was about 4 foot 10. Uh, she was very, very, very short. And uh, she could barely see over the steering wheel, but when I was learning to drive, she said, keep it between the ditches. And that was her advice, is as long as you do anything and keep it between the ditches, you'll stay on the road. And one of the philosophies of Mother Road has been to kind of give the various teams, you know, the latitude of keep it between the ditches, giving them, a, you know, a high or a low or, you know, two marks, and then letting them perform well in between. And so Tower Station even though Alyssa and I may have said, here, go forth and do this, was really a Mother Road team and, and Mother Road guest uh, collaboration. And that's, it's kind of the highest honor paid uh, to this brewery on how successful that beer has been. Uh, I, I can't say enough good about Campbell and the team back then, as well as the continued success of the brew team as we modify and adjust that beer to current taste as well as uh, to current ingredients with the variances we have between lots of malt and uh, the various hops every year. Of course, now we get to buy uh, a whole chunk of a field, so it's getting a little bit easier to keep things maintained. Yeah. yeah. It's very cool. When they send you samples of hops and say, which ones would you like in sequence? <laughs> and you're like, yes, please. <laughs> yeah, you've come a long way to get to that point, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty cool. That's awesome. So, why did you guys originally want? Like, why did you have this specific um, um, grains and hops in mind? Like, when you guys were saying, "Here's what we want," and "Here's what we want the ABV." Like, what what made you guys decide that? Um, I think what it really was is more than anything else. It it really came out to. Um, it came out to that we loved our white walls, which was a summer seasonal, and we wanted something. We wanted something to go year round, because white walls was delicious when it was fresh. But after about a hundred and oh, not even hundred, about sixty days, it really started dropping hop character. It was very uh, unstable. Okay. It was great, great in a keg, but when we bottle it or uh, do any of the packaging, it just didn't work for us. So we wanted something to kind of be a year-round, really flavorful, delicious beer, and that was the impetus was coming off of off of the White Walls recipe. Okay, gotcha. Um, so that was our that was our launching point, and then as far as the Tower Station name though, that's probably more fun 
back in 2011, before we opened, uh, we were so broke and had more time than money, it was cheaper for me to fly out to Pennsylvania to buy a, a bright tank and a plate and frame filter. Yes, you heard me right. We did use plate and frame way back in the day. Talk about uh, talk about do pickup, right? <laughs> so, so I flew to I flew to Pennsylvania, and then I drove uh, back through Missouri, stopped at Mother's, and got really shockered with those guys. Uh, fluffed it off, and then kept back. And I took Route 66 from pretty much St. Louis back. And when I got to Sh- uh, Shamrock, Texas. Uh, I stopped at the Tower Station, which was the 1936 Conoco Station, and I said, God, someday we're going to have to name a beer out of this. And I just kind of saved it in my back pocket for uh, well, about four years, I guess it was, until this beer. I figured this beer was going to be cool enough to do that particular uh, can label. So, yeah, Tower Station was waiting uh, for a beer. The name was waiting for a beer, and... Um, you know, nothing makes me happier than when I'm out in the, the trade and I'll hear people say, I, I want a tower. And I love that people have claimed it for their own and just call it as a tower. That's one of the most humbling things in the world uh, when when random guests do that at a bar. So it, it, it's pretty cool beer. Um, we're, we're very humble to have that as part of our portfolio. Well, I think it's cool that not only people can order it that way, but then immediately the server knows exactly what they're talking about as well. You know, that's that's something in itself as well. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a fantastic beer, man. And and what what I love about uh, Tower Station, and um, I I was pretty confident that, you know, just on my own assumptions that that, that's what you guys were going to go with, and I was really glad you did. Um, I mean, it's, it's... to me, it's the Arizona beer. Um, you know, I know there's been some publications and, and things like that that have, you know, named it like, you know, the top 50 beers in the U.S. per state and, and Tower Station is always, always one of the ones up there. And it deserves it, man. It's a, it's a fantastic beer. Um, what um, what do you love about the beer? Like, you you personally, like, with your beer flavor, you know, your beer personality and, and you know, your palate, what, what do you love about it? Well, I'm a sucker for citra hops. First and foremost, that that's what got me is we we always knew we wanted it to be citrus. Okay. Uh, and so that was so the choice was either go with my my really true love of hops, which is Cascade, and the crew makes such fun of me as uh, Mr. Nineties because I I just love Cascade hops. <laughs> uh, so they can go fuck themselves because. Um, <laughs> I'm worried about what's in my glass, and they should worry about what's in their glass. So, yeah. So that was one of the choices to get get citrus, but um, the citra hop was out there. And originally, when we had piloted a uh, roadside American ale uh, back in 2010 and 2011, we'd use citra in it, and I had fallen in love with citra a couple years earlier. It just we just couldn't contract it, and we weren't big enough. Okay. And then we were able to go ahead and and finally contract it, and I said, I really want to run with Citra Hops in here because I love I love that big punch of tangerine and pineapple on the nose. Um, it's just one of my favorite, favorite aromas. And then it goes in, and, and, and then you get some of that, like, a uh, little bit of grapefruit pith 
um, on on the uh, palate as you, you get that first bit of sip. Uh, and then there's just a little bit of malt in there just to, just to back it up nicely. And then it finishes so crisp and clean. Uh, I, I just, I, it's the beer I wanted. Uh, the only unfortunate thing is it's 7.3. I can't drink as many as <laughs> perhaps I would like to. <laughs> or, yeah. we'll, we'll reverse that. Perhaps I drink more than I ought to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There, there's been more than now, more than one brewery event where I've, uh, I definitely take a left home, and that's that's okay. That's the responsible thing to do. So, but it was really, it was really I wanted that I wanted that big punch of of citrus and uh, on the aroma, and that was the failing of of the white walls. If the aroma wouldn't hold, and I liked, yeah. I really liked uh, Odell's IPA. Um, it was one of those IPAs that you could drink and you'd be down to that last inch of beer and there'd still be that great aroma. And I really wanted to emulate a beer that could hold that aroma to the bottom of the pint glass. Mm-hmm. And so that was a, that was, that was one of the things. So the Citra hop ended up being a, a huge pain in the ass because obviously the beer took off and uh, <laughs> we didn't have enough on your contract. Uh, yeah. there, there were points, Campbell and I were driving all over the state to some of the breweries that weren't, experiencing the good uh, fortune of growth, and we were loading up the trunks of rental cars with 44-pound boxes of citra from people that didn't uh, need it. Yeah. Oh, really? And, and, and cutting checks. Um, yeah. If, if uh, freaking hadn't sold us uh, some, we would have been toast. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Freakin. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it was so funny, and... Uh, Interestingly enough, we've gone to now uh, dry hopping with some cryo hops uh, because, again, we've exceeded contracts. And uh, lucky for me, no one's noticed because we switched it over several batches. We did about a 25% changeover um, each batch, so it slowly hit the market with a slight subtle change. Uh, but we got really close where we were fooling about 60% of our panelists couldn't do the triangle test on it. So that that made me feel that we could get away with it, but uh, yeah, using new tech with cryo hops and traditional pelletized hops, and just love that citra. What can I say? Yeah, <laughs> well, hey, you got it, man. You got it, and it's it's just that perfect combo too. Uh, what um, so the can art itself? Um, I mean, you guys have your own style, obviously, with the with the you know with the Kolsch and with the Lost Highway. Um, does, does the same person do all of the can art for you guys? Uh, that was uh, that was one of our earliest cans. Uh, that was done. Oh God, I'm slipping on the guy's name. The artist. I, should, I need to find his name to give him proper credit. Um, he took and modeled. Uh, my favorite car in the whole world is a 1935 Auburn Boattail Speedster, and that just each of those cars when they were built, uh, they were built by the EL Cord Company um, in Auburn was a division of that. Each one had the uh, mechanic's signature actually scratched into the dash panel, certifying that the car had gone over 100 miles an hour, which in 1935 was a pretty cool thing. Yeah. And so it, it's my dream car that I would love to have someday. And so I wanted that on the road and then um, Tower Station off in the distance. 
Now, we took a bit of liberties. If you've ever driven the Panhandle of Texas, um, it's not terribly green, but having brown on a can was going to look like crap. So we took some liberties. It was, it was springtime. With, uh, <laughs> More lush yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So... <laughs> Um, the, the hardest part, though, is the, the graphic artists we had working on it um, couldn't get the damn perspective, and it was pissing me off and pissing me off. And the car, the car looked like it was falling off the road. It just it drove me bonkers. So I t- finally took our uh, our O2 uh, CRV or no O6 CRV, I guess it was. Whatever. Whatever car we had at that time, yeah. and um, I drove it out to Jackrabbit, Arizona, because there's a um, abandoned gas station out there that has a sign about as tall as the tower out in Shamrock, Texas. And so I finally I shot a whole bunch. I parked the car in the middle of Route 66 out there in Jackrabbit, and shot all of the angle digitally. So the artist would see what the hell I wanted because I was about to just strangle this poor guy. Um, I'm kind of a jackass when it comes to detail on these these cans because they represent, you know, it's, it's our baby here. This is yeah, you know, and, and it's the brand. So I gave him all those, and then he finally got the perspective right. So you so, gave him the visual. So he was trying to I, imagine what it would look like, and you're like, here's what it does look like. Like, oh, okay. I can do that. Because he had a ton of photos of the actual gas station, but the perspective of the car on the road was not jiving. So I had to actually set up the CRV on the road, getting the nose pointed the way I wanted. And so if you if you would ever look, I still have some of these goofy setup photos. There's my kid hanging out the window as I'm shooting these photos. It's it's absolutely hysterical. Uh, well, dude, that's you know I, I love that story because. Um, it's just kind of like you, when you're limited on funds, this is one thing that I've learned from, from you know, doing the thing that I've been doing the last couple of years. When you're limited on funds, um, you have to be resourceful, you know, and for for you to have, to have to make that trip to take that picture, I, I think it's great, man. Take the family on a road trip, you know. <laughs> it's, it's pretty squirrely, but it is, it is a mother road thing. That's the way we roll. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, and then and then from there we we once we got the art, um, our local design team took it from there uh, because we screwed up badly. Um, the the first art firm we hired, they were wonderful people, but uh, they didn't understand looking at the process from the end result. Uh, and so our our current design team, which has been with us since we put the beer in a can because they took the art, converted it to a can, got it to the six-color process. And now everything drives off of the can art with the six-color Pantone uh, with ball, and that goes back through to all the different four-color processes on all of our merchandise and such. So it, it was a learning curve to get the cans right. Yeah, gotcha. So uh, what about, uh, I mean, I knew you guys are – quite a few beer dinners and things like that. Um, have you paired up anything with, with uh, Power Station? Is there anything that you think it pairs really well with? Um, besides the pairings on the can, which are 
always <laughs> always fun to come up with. Yeah. Uh, some of the other pairings that it has gone well with are uh, muscles. Um, it, uh, muscles and calamari, some of those um, lighter seafoods that like having a citrus pairing. Um, we've paired it with strawberry and uh, chev salads before because again the citrus plays with with those things. Um, I don't know. I I drink a lot of it all the time. I've I've been trying to do a little more daily lately with the the whole workout and macronutrient thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, three three hundred and some calories versus two hundred. You know, yeah, responsible, <laughs> responsible. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> well, also, you know, you know, there's a difference between four point eight and seven point three. So yeah. I've been drinking a lot more of the fresh and uh, beers this summer just to just to kind of keep it in check. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But power station's always there over the over the shoulder of like don't forget about me, right? <laughs> and one of the one of the compromises we've had our guests and, and this came from the uh, tap room staff. Uh, they came up with a blend called the handbrake, and oh, wow. and it's fifty uh, percent daily, fifty percent power. The handbrake, I like that. So it just kind of kind of cuts down that uh, that ABV a little bit, right? Kind of puts it in the middle. Correct, and then you get some of the fun lime characteristic of the daily uh, with that uh, tangerine pineapple and grapefruit uh, of the tower. So it, it makes a really curious blend, and the rye from the daily interacts, I think, very positively with the uh, the malt bill of the pills of the tower. I, I, it, it's actually a very wonderful blend. Um, and we were having people order it out at uh, Pride in the Pines this weekend, and that's that's kind of how I knew when people start ordering your blends when you're on there in the way game, you know you've got some pretty good guests out there that have uh, drank the Kool-Aid with you, or in this case, yeah. drank the pint with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I've always liked the, the, the uh, blends that you guys do. Like when uh, uh, Cedar recommended the, he was the Texas Tea. I think he was the first one to recommend the Texas Tea. Well, oh, yeah. Lost Highway is one of my that I I feel like that was the beer that really really converted me to craft beer because um, I think I've switched before that it was set up a black staff we'd always go and, and head up to downtown uh, uh, tap room and we'd always do the black IPAs but sometimes after you know after two it's like all right I need to it's a little bit heavy for me so I remember Cedar one time I was like dude put the put it with the Kolsch like, oh shoot that's a great idea. Um, and then there was one you guys did with the white walls too. It was like the Gandalf, the, the Gandalf or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, the yeah Gandalf the Grayler was half white walls, half lost highway. Yes. Ah, oh, that one was great too. Yeah. So, so it's really cool that you have one with, with you know your two, um, you know, with the power station and daily driver now. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's been so much fun. I have a job that does not suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. And, you know, I'm sure at times, I mean, with every great thing, I mean, even when things are the best, it's sometimes like, yeah, damn, this is, this is a lot. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, doing awesome stuff, man. And, and, and your brand shows how much how much you care about it, too. So um, I think that, that's, that, that, that says so much. Yeah. 
Well, definitely, definitely make sure that the um, that the story is told that that was really Tower Station really was a collaborative effort. I mean, we may have directed it to be you know directed an ITA to be made, but what turned into Tower Station really was the the team. Yeah, and I like that too. Um, I, I like it, and and I know that that's that's going to be the direction that we kind of go with the story of Tower Station is, is we haven't had another beer uh, in the book that is that was a collaboration like that, not only between, you know, amongst the team of the brewery, but how you got the, uh, the got your guests involved, right? Got your guests involved yeah. and, and have them do the same thing. That's, I, there's, I've never heard of another beer um, that, that, keeps, that they've done it to that extent. Um, I think that's great. I think that's the centerpiece of the story of it for sure. Yeah, it really was a lot of fun to have those, uh, to have Campbell doing the score sheets and getting the pasting charrettes together every Sunday or every two to three Sundays. It was really neat.
Bala, bala, bala. 